Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. And this is Matt Petrowski. And with us today we have... This is John Sindler. There you go. See, <laughs> you've got to introduce yourself because, dude, you are the bomb. You are the rock star. Actually, I'm I, learning. I couldn't remember his name. I'm glad he... Yeah, he's doing some popular show now. What is... Pause on success? Yeah, something about nice. that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, John, mastermind could, behind the awesome show. John, could you even believe that they used your picture and my picture next to Ray Culligan on the uh, DevCon website? I, I, I would tell you that it was your picture that freaked me out, but it was being there next to Ray that freaked me out. That freaked me out, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So what are we here for? FileMaker Pro 11. It just got released probably today. Yep, today. We've been working with it for a while, each of us. Let's talk about the features. Hit your list, Matt. Ooh, the list. What's your favorite, Matt? Well, we're going to get into favors. Let's start start with favorites. Start with them? Yeah. Well, then, Matt, I know you which one you want to say. You do. My favorite, which is... Because if I said it, you'd be all upset at me. I would be upset because I told you not to steal it. Um, I wouldn't have predicted that I would like the new inspector feature as much as I do, but the changes they made to layout, so the inspector so that you can click on an object on a layout and modify all of its properties with the three different inspector windows, I totally love. I can I see things now that never really got looked at because you just don't see those things. So yes, first, I love that. for those people who are on the subway who have not seen a website, have seen no screenshots, we need to be descriptive here. All right. Inspector. Inspector. It is a floating palette that has three tabs. Those three tabs have the name of position, appearance, and data. Pretty much everything on the layout that you would formerly control in FileMaker 10 and earlier, you control either through menus or through double-clicking the object or right-clicking on the object for the Mac, control-clicking if you don't use right-clicking. You now have access in this floating palette. And that includes, for example, on the position tab, you have uh, the position, uh, all of your left, right, top, bottom, etc. Under that, you have auto-sizing, you have all of your arrange and align, you know, all to the left, all to the right, etc. Sliding invisibility, which applies to uh, preview and printing. Then on appearance, you have your object, which is your fill, your line, um, colors, text baselines, etc. Text, of course, size, all the standard. Paragraph settings, tabs. Again, very convenient to access. Formerly, you had to double-click, what was that, in the uh, ruler toolbar, if you had that turned on. Right. And then finally, the third tab is data, where you actually have the specifications relevant to the field, where the uh, field is displaying data from, right. and then also behavior, such as find, browse, uh, whether tab, return, enter, actually exits the field. Yep. Value list. Finally, you formatting. Yeah, value list can be edited with one click right on the edit value list next to the field. It's great. So that's that's what it is. Now, why do you like it? Each of these areas, by the way, each of these areas is a is also um, controlled by its own little uh, triangle widget. So, for example, if you never use sliding invisibility, you can just close that little part of it, and it's uh, always out of the way. But why I like it is uh, they're all context sensitive. So if you click on a button or a field, then all the relevant all of the relevant stuff in in a nice little graphical way. So it's not um, jarring, but you, the screen sort of shifts, you know, in an animated way as you click on a field. 
to show you all the aspects of that particular thing. And it's just made it so much easier for me to maintain objects on the layout. Also, on the layout now, the, you, used to, you used to only have badges for certain things. Like, for example, if you have field had a trigger, you saw the little red asterisk or star or whatever. Now you have those for everything. Um, conditional formatting. And so you can tell at a glance, you know, when you're looking at your object, uh, what's applied to it. Because very often I'll duplicate a field. Oh, yeah. And then forget that I conditionally formatted it. And then, you know, later on I go look at it and go, why is that turning yellow or whatever when... And then I go, oh, yeah, it's it's referring to this other specific field. It doesn't use a self function. And all of those are controlled under the view menu when you're in layout mode and you go down to the show menu. And that's where you can show conditional formatting, script triggers, quick find, another new feature in FileMaker 11, and tool tips. Right. Quick find, of course, should be my favorite because it's a menu bar find um, that sort of points the way for FM search results. Um, might as well talk about that feature since we hit on it. Well, before yeah, so we jump, why don't we talk about some of the developer irksome things okay. of some of the stuff they put in. I mean, the Inspector <laughs> Palette is awesome, but unlike most all conventional palettes, Photoshop, Illustrator, no matter where you go, um, Apple's palettes, well, those, those are pretty much fixed as well in all of the different iWork applications. But you can't tear off each of the tabs. But you can, as an alternative, depending on how large your screen real estate is, you can create multiple instances of the same inspector palette and put them on separate tabs. And so John was pointing out, he had a good tip. What was that, John? <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> About having the same palettes on the left and right of your monitor so you don't have to go very far to click on them? Correct. You can quite, just put the different palettes in different places based on how you work, which I thought was yeah. awesome because originally I was like, okay, you know, you suck. You made it so that the palettes can't tear off. You know, I always want to see the position palette, but if I have to go to the data one because I'm working with the field, well, now I have to make an extra click to go to the position. And you're like, well, just put it on the other side of the window. I'm like, John, you saved my bacon. I leave yeah. all three palettes open at all times because you can have multiple palettes open. Multiple. Yeah. So um, I just have the you know position and appearance or whatever open and then the data yeah, below Yeah, from the view menu, there's a new inspector command and so you can just generate three of them, one for each of the main tabs, and then you you know, move that over to another monitor, and you're set. It's a it's a really nice little work environment. Yeah, pretty much oh, you know sells what? big monitors, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm going to do yeah. something here. You just mentioned, you know, go to the uh, new inspector, and you can open three of them. But I thought to myself, well, hey, John, what if I want four? And I've got it here in front of me. Yeah, I've got uh, five inspectors, uh, now six <laughs> inspectors, um, seven inspectors. <laughs> Boy, you can go crazy and create as many of these inspectors as you want, really yeah. cover well, your you, screen you, with them. Using the little triangles, I mean, I guess you could do one that was just auto-resizing. That's you true. Know, throw that somewhere else and have one that was just uh, tabs or positioning. There we go. But, uh, awesome yeah. tip. So if you I just wanted to see the arrange and align. Nice. Right. See, Almost like a tear-off. See, now Logic uh, Pro allows you to have screen sets where you can, like, arrange all of your windows and you hit a single key and it loads all of your inspectors and parts in a, in a, in a way that's yeah. useful for that particular task. So, so if you're doing layout editing or something, yeah, but no, FileMaker doesn't have that. No. It's because it's not made by the same company. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were oh, saying this makes you snore. Awesome. Well, I was happy. <laughs> 
So, this is really making things faster for you, Matt. It is. I, it, yeah. I've noticed it right away. That's so, the, at the end of the day, that's the case for me, too. It's fast. So, John, what's your favorite feature? I'm torn, um, but uh, I think I'm going to say that it's the new script trigger on um, layout exit. Um, I've been waiting for this for a long time for a nice way to run a script when somebody closes a window. So we can pop up a little modal window that's not modal anymore, let people move it around, switch back to it. But if they close it, we can still fire whatever script we wanted to have attached to it. Um, which might also prevent that window from closing, for example. Which you could, right. You can stop that window from closing if you're, um, uh, if you're so inclined. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just realized today, actually, that I didn't really need to wait for 11 for this particular thing because the on-mode exit script trigger uh, also fires on window close. Um, I'll probably still use the new one because I don't want script triggers firing when people resurface from layout mode all the time. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm going to make a, a lot of use of that. We're gonna, we have some mods coming for the calendar that take uh, advantage of this. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a big help. So let's point out the other uh, script triggers that we have as additions. So you've got on layout exit, and that's a layout specific script trigger. Then you also mentioned that we've got the on view change another layout, so if you're changing view from form to list. And then we've got on-object validate, which is a field-level script trigger. Yeah, I mean, kind of tricky, because that's not, even though that sounds like it's going to happen every time the field validates, it's kind of still going through the object. I mean, the way I think about it is you're still going onto a layout, grabbing a field, and assigning a script trigger to it. You know, the script trigger isn't in the schema. So there are conditions where that on validate script trigger won't fire, so it's definitely one of those things that you want to be, um, you want to be testing. You know, not just assume it's going to run whenever, you know, whenever the field is changed. Even if you check that little box to always uh, validate in the uh, right, field right. options. Yeah, I mean the way I remember it is like it's still the trigger is still applied on the layout, so it's still kind of up at the user level, not down at the schema level. Yeah, good. That's actually a good point. Because when we get to uh, portal filtering, we'll talk about that new feature, a lot of these things are uh, visually render-specific. It's just based on what's being rendered to the screen. doesn't necessarily apply to what you might expect behind the scenes in the actual data structure. Yeah, yeah totally. So, which, hey, did, talk about did, it. Do you have a favorite? Uh, actually, I do. Um, mine is... Uh, I, I'm just all about organization, and for me, for some reason, I just get that warm feeling with layout folders. <laughs> my oh, ability yes. to organize my layouts, because I do I, the way that I develop, I develop in these very specific chunks. So basically, now my layout folders, I don't have I, I don't have all these layouts all over these places. I have folders where I have a developer folder with all of my developer layouts. I have a utility folder with all of my utility dedicated layouts. I have a dialogues folder for all of my layouts that are specific to rendering dialogues, then my interface, and then a miscellaneous. So it really it segments out my solution so that it makes it, for myself, even that much more understandable when I go back yeah. into it. And this is, seems like, I think, the, the number one developer request for a long time is the ability to do with layouts what we could do with scripts. Oh, but people it, just talk about this all the time. It it's never been win, that high it on doesn't win the for a long time request feature, though. What's the what wins that? <laughs> oh, Check definitely, boxes. definitely the ability to draw graphs and charts. Yeah, that's yeah. twenty years. 
people have been asking for that. Other database products have been had the ability to natively draw a pie and line and bar charts for literally 20 years. Yeah. And I mean, I'm very impressed with the way they did it. It's very FileMaker. You know, the chart object behaves differently if you put it in the sub-summary parts. And if you put it in the trailing grand summary, I mean, it really, it gets FileMaker. You know, it's not like some of the plugins that we have are using, you know, fusion charts where you just kind of tell this display engine what to render. You know, the display engine kind of gets FileMaker objects and FileMaker uh, layout, ob- layout uh, parts. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So I haven't played with it that much yet. But it seemed to me that each data point on a chart had to had to be a single record and couldn't actually be a summarized value from a subsummary. Is that not true? Yeah, that's incorrect. You can you can have it be single records. You can have it be um, summary data, or you can treat it kind of like we've been treating the plugins. You can pass in a delimited list, you know, a return delimited list of values mm-hmm. and a return delimited list of labels. Yeah, so you can kind of do it however you want. Count yeah, dialog you, box. Right. You can you can roll your own. By using the delimited option, or you can, you know, kind of put it in there with subsummary data. Kind of three ways to get at it. Hmm. And the way that it works is it's uh, for those who are having a difficult time visualizing this. Basically, you just go up to the top toolbar, and it's just like clicking on the web viewer. You click on the little uh, chart tool, and then you just drag out a little square area, and then it's going to prompt you for the calculated data, how you want to format it. It's got all kinds of different little formatting palettes that you can actually. Uh, choose from some preformed different color settings, or you can actually roll your own by just specifying background and foreground colors. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I haven't uh, actually played with, I've only had this two, two three days myself now, um, and you might know this, John, is obscuring things. For example, are you able to make a chart uh, set the fill of the whole of the chart object to transparent and see through it, unlike yeah. a web viewer where you can't? So I, I haven't played with charts as much as I want. My suspicion is that no, it's kind of a magic area of the layout like a web viewer is. Um, but I, ha- I haven't played with it that much. I also haven't tried to make chart objects that are solid to the boundary of the chart so that you could put them behind a transparent graphic and make like a thermometer or a speedometer or you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I imagine that, yeah, that people will get creative with that and come up with some cool stuff. But I, I have a feeling it'll have trouble with the stack order just like web viewers have trouble with stack order. Definitely something I need to play with. Yeah. So what's uh, another new feature? We know that snapshot link fully? thing. Is, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, we talked about quick find briefly, but what that is is a menu bar object. Yeah. So it goes in the same, outside of your layout space, but actually into the menu bar, which you can hide by locking and you know, hiding it. Um, a search thing that looks just like a Google style, you know, search widget. And the accompanying feature searches all the fields on the layout that you're on. And then, um, so you just like type John Smith and hit enter. And then all the records in the current layout that you're in, uh, and all the related layouts that are turned on, all the, sorry, all the related fields, um, on the layout that you're on would then be searched for that particular thing. Now, to be specific, within the inspector palette, you can optionally turn on or off the ability for QuickFind to actually use that field within its search. Right. Well, you can do two things. You can actually turn it on and off layout by layout, and you can also uh, enable and disable fields field by field. So, for example, if you have related fields on a layout or fields that you don't want searched for whatever reason, like if they have social security number or you know fields that you don't really want people to see but yet they're there, then you just... Um, 
in the inspector, click on that field, and there's a little green or a green magnifying glass if it's in the same table that you're in or a yellow one if it's in a related table. And you just turn the checkbox off, and then that's not part of the quick find feature. Yeah. And then that's the easy view of quick find. The, uh, there's also some new um, custom menus and script steps so that you can actually take over the quick find feature and let it run a script. Like, say, hmm, FM search results. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, which would then let you search every table in your database, not right. just the one you have to be on. And also gets, solves the problem of searching for related data. So you could actually be looking at companies and do a search and switch to the context of person or invoice or whatever and do a search and then show the results very quickly without having to do a related search. Yeah, I, I thought it was and, really fortunate that they put in the custom menu for that so that we could hijack that behavior. Of course, I wish you the, could hijack it in an easier way than custom menu, but... Yeah, I hear you. So you're right. You do need FileMaker Pro Advanced to be able to author the custom menu that will do this. Right. Um, but once, it, once that's been done, you can modify the script that it runs without advanced. So, yeah, a little bit of a barrier there. Yeah, and then you have to actually maintain the custom menu and be able to switch. You know, you can uh, if you switch back to the full menu set, it doesn't necessarily run that way for developers who are testing and need the, the full non-custom menus, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, still, You want to hear something funny? Always. I didn't even know that you could switch your custom menu from layout to layout. Yeah, each layout can have a default custom menu. And then I, was, a I thought it was, uh, you know, you set it by script, or it's when the application opens, according to the custom menus dialog, you just set what's the custom menu you want for this whole application. I didn't even know it was like buried in there. If you go on into the layout, and I didn't look at the bottom, and you can set a custom menu for each individual layout. Yep, you can. Like, how'd that get there? <laughs> but it's been there. The way I choose to use it is I, uh, I actually tell the layouts to use the default set, and then there's a script set that sets which set is the default. So you can actually change okay. the default set uh, as a script mm-hmm. setting. I don't know. I think there's also some nice interactions to be worked out between script triggers and loading custom menus. So that you could load custom menus as somebody types ahead, you know, and, and a, a submit menu would finally appear and other, other things like that. It's, there's, there's some interesting things there. I haven't played with that enough to, you know, really know if there's a killer use case there. But we have this whole other way now of changing what menu items are available to people through all these triggers that can run scripts to install them. Now, speaking of the quick find, one thing you can do is the uh, script steps now support using variables within searches. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's you know they've implemented it in one other place, but they've done, in my opinion, a very very poor thought process in terms of implementing them into merge fields. This isn't your favorite feature, Matt. I will not be using this. I would use <laughs> it. I would use it if they had implemented it the way that any developer would expect. All right. Give us but a look. Because now. of how they implemented it, I will not. Well, basically, what they did is you can actually, I should rephrase that until somebody or myself spends the time to come up with a custom function that I will actually verify that all expected variables on on the layout that are being used within a merge field on the layout do actually exist before you go to the layout. That's when I may use them. Otherwise, I'll continue to use like a global repeating container. So let's what talk about do, this Achilles heel here. <laughs> the, the Achilles heel is that if the variable is either set to null, which a lot of the time you're developing, you want to clear out the existence of a variable so you can test whether or not it does or doesn't exist. 
if it doesn't exist and you have it in a merge field on the layout, they show the name of the variable with the actual merge field greater than, less than signs around it on the layout. Uh, yeah. So this is bad, opposite. Of the I way totally agree with bad, you. Bad, bad, yeah. bad. So a merge field, if you had just the merge field, you know, middle name on the layout, and the person had no middle name, you see nothing. Correct. But here, if you had the merge variable middle name, yeah, dollar, dollar, no middle name, name. you'd see bracket, bracket, dollar, dollar, middle name, close bracket. Right. So you have to set cap. it to a space if you don't want it to show or some you know, or, invisible right, character. I like the space trick, which is but a bit of a hack. Or just use conditional formatting to erase the thing. But a space doesn't oh, work. So that because then giant a or space would work because you're still then if you're using the is empty because is empty is what you're usually checking since a lot of the time you're checking well, against right. if you don't that's know right. it's you're usually expecting it's text well mm-hmm. is empty will return a positive result whereas is empty even if it's set to false will return false uh, in my, so, so it's zero, really, I guess in the end it, the feature really is uh, it's really not meant to work with conditional formatting. I think it's kind of its own separate thing that solves the way we've been using conditionally formatted text. So like one of the tricks I use, for example, um, uh, I'll have a layout that has a global field with a date, and it's a date of birth. And if you type in a date that's before January 1st of 1900 or some date that is you know, not likely a person's going to be older than that, or a date that's after today, I'll mm. have just a text object on the layout. And I'll conditionally format that object to be greater than, you know, to be 300 points unless um, the dates are within the range that I want. And then, uh, and then it will show – wait, I said that wrong. <laughs> oh, so it's, like a, it's kind of a double negative thing. So I say <laughs> if the date is uh, you know, after 1-1-1900, then make it 300 points. Just the yes. whole concept that we're making text 360 points right. so that it doesn't show is so silly to me. This is where I get oh, come yeah. on. So, 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 so this allows you. This allows me to. <laughs> this to is where it becomes hack around pro. Yeah, kinda. it's my favorite part of my day is when I get to do these little things. <laughs> yeah. So now you can make a a little triggered script that when the user exits that field, it runs a little tiny one line script that says, "Oh, if the day is, you know, if there's certain whatever error message gets generated." Set the set the global variable dollar dollar local error whatever to whatever error message you want to show, and then it appears in the layout format. If it's an error, go up to three hundred and sixty points so it blows off screen and doesn't show. Well, no, you wouldn't do it that way. You would just say contains the error, the text of the error, and if it doesn't contain the text of the error, you have to set it to space. Otherwise, you get. Oh, I see. I see what you're doing. So this gets around that problem, or Uh, just blend it to the same color as the background. Yeah. Well, no, that's the whole thing. You don't have to use conditionally formatting anymore. Now you actually have an object on the layout that can exist exactly as it is, and it just shows whatever text that's set by a script. Except, Matt, I mean, just to be fair, like I think I will still be conditionally formatting that object, or else I'd have to instantiate all those error variables on startup to have a space in them, which yes. I just don't want to do. You know, I think I'll tell all those variables. You know, if is empty variable name. You know, blow the text out to something large so nobody can see it, and so that the variable takes care of That's why developers won't use this feature. That's why. Yeah. That's why it's a, a it's a user feature and not a developer feature. Okay. Now here's well, here's I just came up with something. If you want to go about it this way, you could create one object on your layout 
that is going to use conditional formatting that basically has to be a tracker for all of your expected global variables that you're going to display on the layout. And basically, it just does this massive, if this variable exists, this one, this one, this one, this one. Mm-hmm. Sort of like using a custom function, which you could yeah. put in a custom function and then just call it through conditional formatting. Kind of a big let-based eraser. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and well, if the yeah, variable that, doesn't exist, then sorry, I can't go to this layout until it is set. So I got to tell you, I don't think this is the Achilles heel of this feature. Um, I think with conditional formatting, you can get around this. I think the big problem with this damn thing is that you can't um, use repeating variables. That was so. When you mentioned that, yeah. that was funny. <laughs> you called me out because I went into I went into eleven and I started checking. And I'm like, no way, they would only do that halfway. <laughs> they yeah, did. man. Yeah, they did. Like I said, so it doesn't it doesn't support the you know uh, repeating declaration of a variable, which is kind of a bummer because in a lot of things like you know like back magic and in our calendar and in other places, repeating variables are a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, I, you know, yeah, it's, it's an array. Though. Repeating it's it's array processing, which we've been using more and more. That's right. True, but I do have to argue that when it comes to variables, since variables are memory based, using repetitions on variables. You don't really have to. You know, you can namespace your variables and just creating a new one, there is no consequence other than you just have an additional, well, even in the data viewer, you have an additional line even if it's a repetition. Exactly. So really the same deal. Well, the only difference is that if you want to address um, a variable by repetition, there's a built-in handler for that in, um, in scripts and set field and the calc engine. Whereas if you want to address a variable by a calculatable name, you have to use evaluate. And I think that's a, a little heavy. I think that's a heavy function. And so if we're really trying to be lean and fast, I'd rather use the native you know, repetition handler than be having all these evaluates to calculate the name of the variable I'm trying to get. But I hear you that in theory, right? There's no reason that we just can't have 100 variables of different names than 100 repetitions of the same variable. We should, we should be giving right. each of these features scores as like we were Olympic judges, you know? Hold oh, up dude, a little four, this has 5.5 for this feature, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd, love to, I'd love to give this one a 7, but it's just fallen to a 2. <laughs> uh, what else we got? Rapid well, feed I, creation. That one's awesome. Which being one? Able to, being able to create the table, the fields, right there in table view. I love that, I have to say. And actually, what's, John, what's are you also what's more interesting up. is when you create a brand new database, you just click, you know, new database, it no longer mm-hmm. goes into, like, define database or gives you a blank white screen. Now it puts itself in list view. And you can yeah. click start creating fields by one. That's a really big, I mean, it's kind of a small, easy thing, but it's actually a really big difference to the user because now you can, oh, I, here I see I can click this button and create more variables. Well, uh, I'm down with you. I think that's a huge positive change. I, I called it variable because I'm hanging around my client who uses the word variable when FileMaker people use the word field because that's what the rest of the world I'm sure fields. that doesn't cause any problems at all. No, I've, <laughs> I've changed my vocabulary in that particular way. But they also refer to, to data as a plural thing, and I, I, won't, mm. I won't go there. I won't say those data. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. It's very British. I can't stand that kind of thing. It's like the drugs are. When drugs is always plural on the news in England. So we've um, got to uh, address the datas, right? Yeah. All that data is out there? Yeah. Well, no one uses the word datum. And so, yeah, the, neat, <laughs> the neat thing about rapid field creation is that so much of the software people use now splashes to a list instead of to a form. 
You know, like when you open up Basecamp, you get a list. When you open up Quick, you know, iTunes, you get a list. When you open up Google, your first results page is a list, as opposed to opening it like a form view or something. So unless, unless you're I, feeling lucky, <laughs> that's right. that's it's right. a dashboard. Dashboards revolutionize the world. Great dashboard in your yep. application today. You're right, John. I think that's exactly why they did that feature because they noticed that people are seeing the world through lists. Yeah, and it makes features more discoverable, right? Mm-hmm. Like additional find requests are more discoverable if you make a find on a list view than if you do it on a form view. And the fact that you can have multiple records is more discoverable, you know, on a list. Um, right. Um, so speaking of a list, what's, what's, what's a list of data, for example, in like a portal that you might filter? That's, that's exactly where I was going, man. Filter portal. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. Um, do your segue. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, speaking of lists, <laughs> yours is more convoluted, so I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so, so FileMaker 11 introduces portal filtering, which is both like incredibly amazing and something you kind of have to keep um, in perspective. It's amazing because I think this is something that for an intermediate to beginner developer, portal filtering has been really complicated. You know, you got to yes. kind of go into the schema and make complicated relationship stuff, and you got to work in the graph, and They've really made it simple. Now you just kind of make a calculation and apply it to the portal. And the re- only records for whom the calculation is true will show up in the portal, which is a really easy way to filter a portal. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, okay, you sold me. And it no, can I'm be filtered on things, that are, it could be filtered on things that are not related to the specific portal that you're looking at, too, which is cool. Yeah, so you can go deep, right? Yeah, you could have portal A... Uh, the, the the existence of more than three records in Portal A filter whether to even show you results from Portal B. Indeed, that's nice. I hadn't thought about that. That's pretty. That's pretty sharp. And their implementation is great. It's just a checkbox within the port the portal setup dialog. Yep, that's right. They put it in exactly the right place. So I have to give this feature an eight point five. Well, before you do, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a five. I talked to John. Why are you giving he it a five? Me. He sold me, but then he told me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't work with other expected behaviors. You filter the portal, and then you can't use a go-to related record and expect that, that it will only show what the portal is showing. Go to it all related the, records. If you go to right. one related record, you go to the one related record. But if you that say, always works, right? if you say go to the related record and you have all of them because you want to see all ten values on the filtered portal, it won't show you just the filtered ones. It'll show you all of them without the based filter. on the relationship. Right. Right. And similarly, aggregate functions like total, sum, count, average, those are applied across the relationship, which doesn't have a filter on it. So they don't respect the portal's filter. So the filter is just for visual use, just for display on yeah. the layout, not for like coding logic. Oh, but your calculation field that you use to filter the portal could have a let function which defines a global variable, and that global variable could appear as a global merge field, which could then show you the count of records. <laughs> no one yeah. followed that. <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> you, were, you were going through as many steps as possible to say what it takes in order to get your result when it should just be easy. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm not giving it a 9.5. That's why I always laugh at whatever you come up with. I uh, think this is a feature that is really going to empower um, beginner and inter- intermediate developers. Because it, it takes something that's really hard currently and makes it really simple. 
I totally True. agree. You do get your results very quick. Yeah. Very and, and I love that they're de-emphasizing the relationship. You know, one of my big themes is to try to do things in, uh, do things that are really part of the interface and do them in the interface or in a script and not in the relationship graph. Yeah. And this yeah. is this is great because it helps uh, towards those ends. Yeah. I'm going to talk about two things that are not really features per se um, in terms of adding a new thing, but uh, the improved performance on Windows and the fact that it's a Cocoa app on the Mac. So it really yep. runs more natively in both Windows and Mac. Yeah. You can tap yeah. through the dialog boxes and actually access the uh, pull-down menus. Right, nice. I did. I didn't know that, but that's very nice. Well, you you didn't. For example, if you use like I didn't used to use um, folders a lot in the script dialog box, and I didn't use to use folders, which is now in eleven. Well, I couldn't have, but I will be now for layouts. And if you're using those extensively, and you have a really good categorization system, getting up into that pop up is really nice because it allows you to go to smaller areas of your application, such as my utility scripts versus my interface scripts. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I've never used pop-up menus much because I didn't like the way the pop-up menu font substituted out when I, when I went to it. Um, but now we're using pop-up menus on the Mac a lot because they look gorgeous. They've you're talking really about kind of, in layout mode? Well, are you on layouts. In, you know, the like, dialogue. Like the, no, like the field, um, field options, you know, pop-up list versus pop-up menu. Or excuse right. me, drop-down list, yeah. Those little menus look great on the Mac now. Hmm. I didn't even look at those. Oh, uh, yeah. All sorts of little, little things are, are prettier and smoother. And, yeah, it's, it's good looking. And then, of course, on Windows, they've done a lot of work to get rid of the, um, the, the flashing kind of popping stuff. I mean, when we move our Mac-developed stuff over to Windows to check it, we still have to do a little work, right? It's not like WYSIWYG on the Mac is what you get on Windows, but... Um, it's much improved over FileMaker 10. It's, it's really kind of a joy to look at the app on the, on the Windows side now. I'm looking forward to that. The behavior of uh, pop-up window and pop-up list, though, the little weird idiosyncrasies when you use related ones on mm -hmm. how, you know, showing just the first value, showing just, just the second value, stuff like that, it's the same as it was in 10, for better or yeah. for worse. Yeah, for better or for worse, right. right. Some of that I kind of like. I tell you what's interesting. We've got a couple of implementations where, you know, in, in, in Filemaker 10 on the Mac, if you put your cursor into a pop-up menu, it goes to this kind of monospace font and loses all the font formatting and everything. It's so good now that we actually have to have conditional formatting to do our font stuff on the Mac so that when you put your cursor into it, it drops the conditional formatting out and kind of brings up the, the nice kind of native font. Um, it's so faithful to the way your text is formatted on the layout. We have to use conditional formatting to kind of turn that off when we want people to be in the, in the uh, pop-up menu. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, they did, did good stuff. Um, have you guys looked at the changes on server? A little bit. They added yeah, just one kind of big feature, which is the groups thing, right? The oh, groups thing? And they um, made the performance ten times faster on WAN? Oh, wait, no, they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they did, they, they did, in theory, in, in server advance, blow out the user count. Uh, um, they did that so, in 10. Server 10 supports 999, doesn't it? I guess, does it? Uh, that, I tell you, I have a hard time keeping some of that stuff straight. Yeah, so do I. I gave up at FileMaker 5. Um, <laughs> I have no yeah, idea. The, what theoretically, now it supports 1,000 users for uh, server advanced. 
Yeah. And the other feature that I think of as a server feature but that isn't is the um, file protection. How you can authorize so that only certain files can make relationships to your files. That's a major, major feature for security because it gets around, especially if you use the separation model, because it gets, gets around one really big potential security hole. Yeah. It's, it completely closes it. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. You can tie um, your interface file to your data file, and a user who has access to your system no longer can create a new FileMaker database with their low-level account and right. actually see, uh, you know, with, a, with another database, make a uh, relationship to your data file, yep. which is, yeah. um, was a really big hole. Yeah, and just it's, open it's, the it's data really viewer, cool. and what is this field store, and what is this field yep, store? Exactly. <laughs> Oh, they don't yeah, need data so viewer. They, they could just make a layout based on a table that they could see, even though um, that table wasn't in the interface uh, file. Right. It was a way to get past the interface a developer created and right. just use your your access at its raw level. Right. And now you can't do that. So you can you may have read access to a file. That doesn't mean that you can build another interface and see what's in there. Right. You have to have full access now to right. be able to create a relationship to it. Right, so yeah, that's I'm really really happy about that feature. Yeah, and then I think there's a checkbox that says you you can require FileMaker 11 to open the file, which um, is also really good because then if you did if you allowed the file to be open with older versions, then the older versions wouldn't have this particular security feature. So the checkbox for requiring 11 makes uh, makes it uh, enforce that security feature, which is very good. Indeed. I give that so is anybody happy about copy and paste custom functions? Wow. <laughs> that was such a shocker. <laughs> I am happy Are you going to use them now, John? <laughs> okay. My, my goal is to convert <laughs> you and everyone else to being custom function... Junkies. Like, mavens. Yeah, followers yeah. of the custom function way. Con- custom yeah, function, conjunction, junction. <laughs> awesome. I'm loving it. Yeah, that's a good one. Not, not Snapshot super exciting. Link. Pretty cool. Which one? Explain it. Snapshot link. It's uh, you know it's in the save uh, send records as menu. You can s- create this little file on your desktop called a snapshot link and email it to somebody else. If they have a- your database open, like we're multi-user and Matt's on another workstation, I could say Matt. Here are these 15 invoices that you need to call or check on. I can send him this snapshot link, and when he double clicks on it, it'll reset his FileMaker Pro database to be looking at the same layout, same found set, and the same sort order as I was looking at when I made the link. So it's a way to send a found set to somebody else. So basically, um, it's, a, it's a file with metadata that yeah. recalls a saved search. Yeah. And the metadata format search. is fairly simple, so I think folks are going to be writing a writing some of these themselves and uh right so they can generate the generate the file separate from filemaker that's right or as a script or something yeah uh, and then be able to send them to people pretty pretty cool for sure or open them themselves from within filemaker i'm having a little trouble kind of scripting filemaker to open one of these bad boys um but i'm I'm sure i'll figure it out yeah script master yeah i can do it I don't know. Did we miss anything? It looks like uh, we got most everything. What about uh, automating recurring imports? Yeah, what about it? Yeah, uh, basically for people who are stuck in Excel because their boss doesn't want them to use anything but Excel and they don't want to keep it in FileMaker, 
Well, they can automate a recurring import. So basically, they can uh, import, a, for example, an Excel spreadsheet or other formats that FileMaker supports, I believe, and then um, just add a button. And then any time that the data in the Excel spreadsheet is updated, it will re-import and just... It's, basically, it's the same thing as what we're used to in terms of uh, using a match field and importing, and it just updates all the data. So any new data, it'll bring it in. Now, the one thing is it's read-only data. You can't actually write to it, obviously, because the data is stored separate from FileMaker. But you can use FileMaker to sort, generate reports. I think you can do summary fields uh, on when the, the report wizard and things like that. So it's an end-user feature. There's another feature that's a little bit hidden, um, open Bento data source. So if you're a Bento user switching to FileMaker, you can open up your Bento data source. But what's the hidden cool feature about that is that you can import on the Mac, you can import all of your iCal events, tasks, iPhoto pictures, actually just the metadata of the pictures, address book contents. Address book. You can easily import your address book into a database, which is cool, uh, or any other Bento data source that you create in Bento. Yeah, which does not include iTunes, which is the one feature that I'm really hoping will be added to Bento as a data source. Because FileMaker will not hold all your music, Matt. Sure it will. <laughs> I've imported it into FileMaker lots of times. Really? What is that? 50 billion terabyte Drobo? Oh, those, I don't want the actual music. Drobos. I just want the directory. I just want the list of all the songs. Ah. To be able to sort in different ways and Gotcha. Uh, get a better get it? a better search for duplicates feature than exists in iTunes. So They've got apps that'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> some of them, and they're the ones I played with. They're like pretty bad. Trudge so through everything, find your duplicates, clean it out. Yeah. Label everything. Yeah, but I want to do it myself in FileMaker. Oh, you're a glutton. Glutton for punishment. You're the if, data punishment guy. If someone knows a really good app that does that cleaning that doesn't that causes no harm then I would love to look at it. Dude, I just came up with your, your new business name, Data Punishment. You're going to punish that data until it does what you want it to do. That's actually pretty good. Data Punishment is good. I like the little ouch as the tagline. <laughs> data Punishment, ouch. No, it should be Data Punishment. Ouch, don't coerce me. <laughs> Titles would be like S&M Coordinator. <laughs> okay, you went there. I was staying away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, this is going to be good stuff. Anything we miss? I'm sure well, there is. a few things. Yeah, they, they improved IWP. You know, they, the toolbar in FileMaker Pro what's is that? kind of replicated in what's IWP, that? which is pretty cool. I know, I know. <laughs> you who oh, live text. on a higher plane don't use IWP, but I use it a lot. Yeah. Text highlighting. What, what the heck? That's, there's, a, there's this little button. I've turned it on. You basically select a field on layout mode, and then right next to the text color, when you've got the little formatting bar showing, there's a little thing to do text highlighting. Now, all I can find out so far is you select the field, you turn on text highlighting on that field, and basically just puts a yellow highlight behind the text whenever you type text in there, and it just stays there. It's sort of like somebody just came to your FileMaker layout and said, hey, here's a highlighter. It's always on that field. I can't and you can also highlight portions of text. That. You can have portions of text in browse mode, but I don't believe it's exposed to conditional formatting. So, like, I don't think I can highlight the word the, you know, every time it appears in a, you know, like, programmatically. Can you, can you do that, Matt? 
I don't know. I, I couldn't find any script steps that are tied to it. In fact, there are only three new script steps that I found. Uh, under the records subject, subsection, it was uh, save records as snapshot link to support that feature. Found sets has now perform quick find is a new script step. And then under the open menu item, open manage layouts. And those were the only three new scripts that I found, so I don't really know where and how this highlight text is supposed to be used. Well, I'm glad that they might not have features. added script steps, but a lot of script steps have changed. Like, for example, go to layout. Oh, um, well, yeah. Now, underneath the way that they're supported. Yeah, now you can do it by calculation. You can, you know, it actually kind of adds an extra click in a lot of cases, but. Yeah. Yeah, the, the revised menu, uh, custom menus. They added a couple extra clicks there, but it's much more uh, clear when you go into the dialogue that you're actually starting yeah. with the menu set first instead of this plethora of menus and some of them have they're in brackets and you're like what do I need to do with these yeah they redid that whole interface which is really nice yeah I like to see them going back to stuff that they've supposedly put to bed and making little changes to it that's pretty cool yep we'll have to find well, I'm glad that of all the features the, the one that really stumped us was the text highlighting that's, that's a good sign I still don't even know what that is <laughs> I'll have to play with that one it is a, and it's a, it's the, you go into layout mode and it's the brightest icon in the whole bar. It's just this T with this glowing orange, vibrant background behind it. And you're like, wow, look I at that. I always wondered what, what that was. I thought it was just like for. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a text highlighting feature, but I don't know what it's for. Huh. Other than highlighting text. Yeah, what do you Maybe? know? Maybe I, I haven't used it on like a multi-line field. Maybe if you put it on a field and you double-click a word to highlight it, it highlights all the other same words in the field. It does look pretty nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> FileMaker 12 will come out with a pulsing icon version of it. And, and yes, I know I pronounced that word wrong. I did it on purpose. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> you're just cozying up to the right wing. Yeah. Throw back to the days of using a web viewer and putting in the blink tag. <laughs> I've often criticized presidents for pronouncing the word nuclear incorrectly. <clears throat> but then Jimmy Carter, who was actually served on a nuclear submarine, pronounces it incorrectly. So, no, Does he really? Yeah, he pronounces it nuclear. Holy cow. Yeah, I've heard him. You know, within the last 10 years, I've heard him in interviews. Well, that is new and clear. Nice. So. <laughs> clear to me that we're uh, running long. Yeah. <laughs> we've exhausted the, the I think we've covered lot. everything. Yeah. At least given everybody something to uh, chew on when they go look at all the rest of the stuff out on the web today and throughout the course of the week. So do you think Ray, speaking of Ray, who we talked about when we just opened this up, do you think Ray is going to do 11 for 11? Um, pretty good bet. I hope so. And I, would, I also would be... Uh, expecting to see a FileMaker 11 Bible coming from him. Ah, yeah. Yeah. The other thing to watch, I think, is the Six Fried Rice blog. They always have a good kind of... Yes, you know, they do. Things you didn't... Things that aren't necessarily obvious in the new version. Yeah, they had some brilliant stuff when 10 came out, for sure. No kidding, man. They, that, they, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. This was really slick. Hey, thanks for coming. I hope everybody likes the pink icon. <laughs> oh yeah, the pink icon and the new cool little shimmering thing when the when the uh, the badge shows up or not the badge but the FileMaker logo when you yeah. when you launch it. Yeah, totally. 
I like to think that it's purple, not pink, just for, you know. I think it's actually magenta or maybe fuchsia. All right. <laughs> Future generations match. debate that one, no doubt. It'll match my daughter's booties. <laughs> so not going there. I liked the blue. I just like the blue. That's actually nice to be able to tell the difference between 9 and 10. I couldn't tell, and now it's totally obvious. Yeah. That is true. All right. So, Matt, John, great to talk to you guys. Hope to talk to you soon. Excellent. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>